Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, and here's your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show on 103.7 FM WKRM. Thank you for joining us today. Um, today I have a very special guest here to talk about education on the Big Yellow School Bus, Mr. Scott Sapicki, State Representative for the 64th District, also a member of the House Education Committee. Welcome, Scott. Well, how are you doing, Jack? I'm doing great, thanks. Um, Scott, let's just dig right in, and, and you can start um, letting the listeners know a little bit more about what you're doing up in Nashville related to education and, and things that affect us. Well, Jack, I appreciate you allowing me to come here and talk to everybody here in Murray County and as far as this broadcast goes. I guess the first thing I want to say, Jack, is thank you. Thank you to all the teachers and administrators and principals out there. Um, we all know the challenges that everybody faces in education. Mm-hmm. But since March, it's really gotten turned upside down. Yes, it has. And we've got teachers that are having to teach virtually. They're having to teach in class. They're having to be sent home. I mean, we got students in and out of class. Uh, my child that goes to Columbia Academy, he has been in class uh, only two weeks out of the last six. Wow! By having to go in and out with COVID, um, his- you know. And when you when you talk about people out with COVID, if, you know, I have a list here, right? I could give you right now. Mm-hmm. Currently, at this moment in time of recording this show, um, we have H O Porter is out mm-hmm. until the sixteenth. Northville Academy is out till the 16th. Um, Cox Middle School, the entire school is out until the 16th. Um, Randolph Howell is out until the 16th. Spring Hill High School is out till the 16th. Spring Hill Middle School is out till the 16th. Columbia Central High School is out until the 17th. Santa Fe Unit School, grades 9 through 12, come back November 30th. Um, then we have various um, spotty... Groups mm-hmm. of children out for contact tracing, et cetera. So a- anecdotally, I can watch my son. And when he's in class, he's making A's and B's. And when he's at home, he's making C's and D's. Oh, my gosh. So you can take that and multiply that probably statewide, Murray County to be included with that. Um, all our teachers know that, that the best place for the student is to be in front of them in the classroom. I agree. That's the best place. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know that we're all challenged. I, the teachers are doing a magnificent job trying to trying to to navigate this. Uh, up in the house, we are extremely concerned about learning loss. We know there's going to be some type of learning loss, and we know uh, it's going to affect those that are further behind than the students that are on track. Uh, we've seen some studies come out of uh, of Murray County. For one, that was given to me are. Uh, RTI, which most people listening to this radio show, is a response to intervention. It's what we use to determine where a child is academically and then get them the necessary help to get them caught up. Our RTI 1 students are those students that are on track. Uh, they're, they're, they're tending to be literate. Math- for, our, for our listening um, audience, could you explain what RTI might be? Response to intervention. It's what we use to, to trigger um, help for these students to okay. determine where they are academically. Um, are they on level? RTI 1. Are they RTI 2? Eh, a little bit behind, having some trouble. Mm-hmm. Or are they RTI 3, at least one grade level or more behind? Okay. In Murray County, from the kindergartners who were in school last year in March, to those becoming first graders this year, we went from a 24% RTI-3, which is the kids who were most behind, 23%, to 48%. Wow. Just in first grade. So our teachers know this. Our teachers know the struggles we're going to have. And so we've got to work forward, 
making sure that we get those kids caught back up. There's no, Jack, there's no pause button in education. No. Okay? And, and you'd mentioned the young children. I have grandchildren, and their parents decided to keep them home initially mm-hmm. and realized right away this was not going to work. Well, it, to be a teacher is a very difficult job. Right. And, and it was job. kindergarten and third grade. So those two grades were very hard and very difficult. So they went and talked with the te- the principals at the respective schools and were able to get them into in-person learning. And now my youngest kindergarten granddaughter, she doesn't like weekends anymore because there's no school. Correct. I get that. I love the fact that she loves school so much that she doesn't want to, to stop she like she would like the school to be every day right now, and that's one of the problems we have is we've got we've got kids that are learning in all different kinds of environments and trying to learn in those environments, and we're wor- very worried up at the state level, and I'm sure Murray County teachers are too that there's going to be a significant drop off this year, and so we're working on things uh, in the education committee moving forward for the 112th General Assembly that starts January 15th, but folks, we've been working on these since March because we kind of saw this was coming. And now we're in the the throes of it. I have meetings probably three to four days a week up in Nashville with different uh, entities, uh, principals, school teachers, uh, different lobbying groups trying to figure out a solution to our problems, not only with COVID, Jack, but also, you know, and I tell people this all the time, the reason why I'm on the education committee is for two reasons. Number one, to make sure our kids can read, write, and do math by third grade. And number two, everything we do is about being number one in education in the country. I didn't say Middle Tennessee. I didn't say, you know, in the Southeast United States. It is to lead the country in education, to make our students, our teachers, our principals so valuable that they're turning job, that they are the five-star recruits that all our athletes are, that our teachers and our students become the five-star recruits of the rest of the country. And I like that's, that. And that's our goal. Yeah, that that's is a great why we're goal. Here. So some of the things we're working on um, – are very important in education. The first one is we've all had this big argument about testing in the in the spring. Now, if you're on the block schedule, you're you're, you're going to have to test right now because we're out of session. There's not much I can do about that right now. But once we go back into session, look for a bill that's going to basically, uh, unless the Department of Education at the federal level deems it eligible for us to have a waiver in testing this year, we will be testing in the spring, but we will be holding everybody harmless on it. Uh, we will gather the information on the test, but our students and our teachers and administrators, there'll be no accountability to it. It will not affect any type of evaluation on them. It will not affect any rankings of our school system. It is okay. just a, a way for us to gather data to probably confirm what our teachers and administrators are already telling us that uh, we're going to have some learning loss. Now, I wish that we had the ability at the state level not to test this year because I'd be a proponent not to test and use that money we would save approximately 10 to $15 million mm-hmm. to fund a summer school program in K-5. through But right now, it looks like we're going to have to test. So, have to continue with testing. But it, right? it'll, be, it'll be a hold harmless. We're also working on a bill which is very important to taxpayers. It's a BEP Stabilization Act. We're going to call it the School Stabilization Act. And what that does is we're going to look at the money that all of our school systems in 20 and 21 received in their BEP, which is the basic education program. That's what the state's portion is for education in Murray County. Let me give you a for for instance, Jack. I think that the Murray County school system's budget is $103 million. Currently, the state pays $70 million of that. Out of the $103 million, the state pays $70, and I think the federal government makes up about another four or five. 
we're going to make sure when we pass this School Stabilization Act, Jack, that for the 21-22 school year, that Murray County will receive the exact same funding regardless of their attendance. If their attendance drops, they're still going to get the same money for one year because we don't know if in 22 and 23, the parents that took their kids out of school this year may put them back into school next year, and that's going to create a funding issue because they're not allowed to count those kids until the following year. Gotcha. So we're going to hold. We're going to give our our our, our school boards and our county commissions. We're going to give them a one year hold harmless on the school stabilization act that will make sure that the funding that they receive this year will be identical or more. I was going to ask that. Yeah. If, if, if you we, have a, if, if you have an increase, growth. you have an increase. We'll pay that. Right. Okay. But good. if you have a decrease, you will at least get what you got this year. So you're not going to lose anything. Pretty much. And you could stay stable. And if your numbers go up and you have people moving to your area and your school, um, it's based on attendance. Attendance, that's correct. It goes up, you will You will, you will get the bump. And we will also also factor in all the cost of living increases. I've seen the preliminary budget is roughly, I think, around $74 million. Right. So statewide across the state, we're going to be increasing the, basic, the BEP at least $70 million just to meet all the cost of living increases that are normally, normally happening. That's good. So, so far, so good. Yeah. Now, now we get into academics. So one of the challenges we know, especially Jack and early ed in K through five, is the, is the potential learning loss that we're going to have. Now, think about this. Our kindergartners, first and second and third graders, left school mo- mostly around March, mm-hmm. April, May, June, July, and August, almost five months off from seeing a teacher. Mm-hmm. They're going to have significant learning loss. Yeah, absolutely. And so now our teachers are just trying to get these kids back to either where they were, right, or try to get them caught up as much as they can. So we're working on a summer school bill for these kids that in K through 3, if you are an RTI, now remember we talked about RTI earlier, if you are an RTI 3, which is the most behind students in our system, that we're going to have summer school for you. Okay, and if a teacher recommends a diff- another student for summer school, they'll be able to go to summer school also. That'll be utilizing our current um, school system. Yes, and what we'll do is at the state level, we'll fund the whole thing. Okay, we cool. Will, we'll, we will even fund transportation. And this is for K through three. K, K through three, right now. That we're in, enrolled in twenty twenty of last year. Well, the, the current and the year current we're in. Year too. So in the, the year that we have going to finish up here in in twenty one. Okay. Um, whoever would be finishing an RTI three at the end of twenty one would go to summer school. Okay. And would it? Isn't it's not mandatory, is it? It's, it, it could possibly be. Could mandatory. possibly be. Okay. And the reason why mandatory, Jack, is we've got to get these kids caught up. Well, so it all goes back to being able to read, write, and do math by. Third grade. That's correct. And, and if we can do that, and I've talked, and I'll, I'll give you a big, I'm going to give our teachers a big shout out. A year and a half ago, I met with every elementary school in Murray County and talked to the teachers and talked about what they needed or what they needed taken out to be able to be successful as teachers to be, and have successful students. And we came up with nine bills. And we ran all nine bills last year. And guess what? All nine of those bills were ready to go to the House floor for a vote. And all nine of those bills probably would have passed where we really would have started to transform early education in Tennessee, and then COVID hit in March. Mm-hmm. So all of those bills that we worked with last year, all those are going to be coming back this year to get those done so we can start to transform because we want all our kids to read, write, and do math and be number one in the country. 
All right. So those are all going to. Well, be that's good. Back. So the bills didn't get passed, but they are back on the. Mm-hmm. On the they on they the made floor. it through subcommittee. Uh, some of them made it through the full committee until we until we got hit, hit with COVID. Okay. So we'll be running all those again this year, plus those other ones I just talked about right. with the BEP and stuff. That's actually some really good news, Scott. It, it's we're getting there, and yeah. like I said, I'm. I'm there for one for for two reasons. Right. Read, write, and do math, and be number one. Right. That's where we want to be. As taxpayers, we want the best educational system because Jack, um, I got a report from the Department of Corrections, Commissioner Tony Parker. Now everybody knows that they use the third grade literacy rate in corrections to determine what their population in the prisons is going to be in 10, 15 yeah, years. Yeah, when I was with the Boys and Girls Club, we we went over this quite okay. often. Well, I asked Mr. Parker. In January of this year, January 1st, until until March 15th, there were 469 male inmates taken into our penitentiary system, and they screened those for educational. So they want to know where they are educationally. Those 469 male inmates, Jack, you ready for this, had an average of a first-grade reading level. Wow. Whose fault is that, Jack? Is that theirs or ours for letting that happen? Both? Yeah. I mean, and we've got, we've the got, system failed them, and and then now they, they failed, failed themselves, them. yeah, and their parents. So yeah. we know that if you are educational, right? You you've you've gone to you've gone to school probably the whole I way, have, yes. the whole way, and so have I. And education equals income opportunities. It does doesn't equal income. It equals income opportunities, right? Because you still have to apply yourself. But the higher the further you go, the more opportunities are created for you. And so we're looking forward to getting that summer school bill passed. We're also working on the literacy bill. Now, this is the, this is another transformational bill. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we learned by phonics, Jack, and that was sounding out words. Yep. Okay? We've gotten away from that, and we're going to go back to it, to where our teachers and our older teachers right now are probably shaking their heads listening to this. Yeah. When I was young, it was hooked on phonics. Was a because, commercial was on TV. Because it taught you how to look at letters and sound them out. And that's what we're going to go back to. We were very close to passing that last year, and Governor Governor Lee did not like the House and Senate version, and so he said no. Okay. We are bringing those versions back this year. Um, I don't know if I'll be carrying it, but someone in education will be carrying the literacy bill as we wrote it last year, which is phonics-based education. It is training paid for by the state for our teachers to learn how to teach it. The local education authority, they get to choose what phonics program works best for them. And we're going to rewrite our educational uh, colleges to be based on phonics-based training. So our our new teachers coming out will have the understanding and knowledge of how to teach phonics. And our teachers and and our new teachers will have to pass a test to be able to teach in K through three that they can teach phonics to our kids. Kind of like that approach myself um, because uh, it worked for us. It put okay back in the sixties. Uh, basic education put a man on the moon with a slide rule. Yeah. Okay. People were people were required to be literate. They were required to be mm-hmm. able to read and do math. The basics worked, Jack. In early ed now. In early ed. Right. We've got to go back to the basics. And the states that are focusing on that, believe it or not, are in the top ten in education in the country. It's not rocket science. Wow. You know, um, why is Alabama so successful in football, right? It's because they have a basic program that they make sure the kids know the fundamentals and they build on that on those fundamentals. You know, so let's not reinvent the wheel. Let's go back and grab the wheel and start using it again. 
Um, uh, now, another, a bill that I carried last year that I think is extremely important that goes along with all this is called the Teacher Discipline Act. Now, it sounds, uh, sounds different there because you just raise your eyebrows. <laughs> uh, the Teacher Discipline Act is a bill that allows a teacher that has a repetitive, now remember this, a repetitive, disruptive, or unruly student to remove that student from the classroom permanently. So my daughter's a teacher, and I think she's mentioned this particular bill to me, Yes, and she's hoping that it goes through. So last year, we ran this bill. Now, um, when it got to the House floor, Jack, and I was carrying this bill, I had 73 co-sponsors already. Now, there's only 90, 99 people in the House. On that particular day when we ran the bill through the House for the vote for approval, there were only 91 people there in attendance. The bill passed 91-0 with 91 co-sponsors. Everybody got up to sign on to that bill because we know the importance of having discipline in our classrooms for our teachers. Yeah, and, and I'll just share. My daughter was a teacher for kindergarten class, and she had two students that were very disruptive to the class, and she was not allowed to remove them with the current um, rules and standards that are in place. And mm-hmm. she actually did the research on this and thought this would be a good move for the school district. This could transform our students. Now, we have to come up with a solution for the unruly student. That's yeah. where you've got to get the teacher, the principal, the guidance counselor, yeah. um, maybe Boys and Girls Club. Maybe, yeah. And how about this, a shocker? Maybe the parents maybe yeah. involved with their students, and if we have to, maybe that child just doesn't want to be in school. And now with the virtual learning we have, we could let that, ch- that child go home and learn with mom and dad at the house if that's what they prefer, whatever gets that kid across right. the finish line. But here's the thing. If you have 20 kids in the classroom, Jack, and you have one repetitively disruptive student, it destroys the educational opportunity for those other 19 kids. We got a 37% literacy rate in third grade. Right. Maybe we go. We look the other way here. Let's get those 19 kids across the finish line, Jack, and let's get a, a literacy rate in Murray County and in Tennessee in the 90s and then we can go and figure out what we're going to do with those kids that don't want to learn. And I believe that this Teacher Discipline Act would be a good huge tool step in the right it's direction. It's another tool in the toolbox yeah. to getting them yeah. up to be number one. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, these are great tools. So we're also working on um, now. We all know this, folks, and, and uh, this is one that gives us a lot of consternation up in, up in the General Assembly is broadband. We have pumped... Yeah, we're hundreds of millions of dollars in the broadband expansion, Jack, over the last 10 years. And we can't get and we can't force and you don't want me forcing these local cooperatives and these carriers in the places that they know they're not going to get a return on their investment. Because now we don't need Duck River Electric putting themselves in a financial situation that could be detrimental to them being able to provide electricity. Right. Uh, we have put almost $91 million this year, Jack, in the broadband expansion in, in, in Tennessee. We have got to figure out a better way to keep pushing this forward. Uh, Murray County has pockets all over that has terrible broadband. Yep. I'm one of them where I live down in Cullioca. Okay. So we've got to figure out a way to move this forward. That's going to be a huge topic as we move forward in the, in, in the first part of the 112th is to focus on broadband, not only for economic development, but for educational purposes. Well, let's touch a little bit more on that broadband issue because I know at, at Murray County Public Schools, we give out Verizon hotspots, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. And But even at the rural areas, it's not a 5G connection, so it's not as fast as what they would probably need. Well, when you start looking at it, if you go from Jackson, Tennessee, north and south, all the way to the borders of Tennessee, and you go Interstate 65, excluding Davidson, north and south, between those two points, 
are the most unserved parts of broadband in Tennessee. Yeah, I believe that. So we have got to figure out a work work on that. We will continue to work on that. Hopefully we'll have some good news. I know we're up against a break, so. Yeah. Hey, we will be right back after the break with Representative Scott Sapicki on the Big Yellow School Bus. Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show on 103.7 FM WKRM. Um, I am here today uh, with Representative Scott Sapicki, and we're talking all about education. Um, we've, we've covered quite a few uh, topics in the first part of the show. Let's go ahead and get some more into the academics and talk about our science and our social studies, Scott. That's a great question. So last year, <clears throat> and I, and last year we ran a bill um, trying to create more time. And I'm, I'm going to have a bill I'm going to talk about right after this one, and you'll see, you'll see why we're doing this. Um, remember, read, write, and do math by third grade. Mm-hmm. Be number one in the country. So um, we needed to create more time for our teachers in K through three, okay? They need more time to stand in front of their class and teach them instead of doing all the things that we require them to do from the state or federal government. This science and social studies bill, Jack, all it does is it gives the uh, freedom and autonomy for our teachers that they can incorporate the standards of science and social studies that we want our kids to learn when they're teaching English language arts. So they can read about Isaac Newton, right? They can Mm -hmm. read about Abraham Lincoln. They can read about history and get them reading more. Remember our goal while we're here, right? Reading, writing, and math, right? And so what this bill does is it just gives them the flexibility that instead of having standalone time for science and standalone time for social studies, they can incorporate those into English language arts so our kids spend more time reading and trying to get them to show the love of reading about all these different great historic figures. So that's all that bill does. Pretty simple. Create more time for our teachers, right? Right. The other bill I ran last year, and it was it was the hardest bill. And if you follow me up there, Jack, I ran some pretty tough bills. I'm okay. not even going to talk about today. And this is a tough one, right? This was supposedly my <laughs> toughest bill. I thought was my easiest. Should have been. One of the conversations I had with the educators here in Murray County in early ed was they talked about everything they have to do, Jack, with these kids. All the data collection, all the data mining, all the forms they have to fill out, all the evaluations they have to do, all the videos they have to shoot. They don't get to spend much time teaching. And the kids don't have any opportunity to be kids. And so I ran a bill that said we would have two, This is I know this is crazy here, two 30-minute recesses a day for our K-3 kids. I mean the swings and the sandbox and and, and go the, outside teeter totter and all that fun PE stuff. Here. Right, I'm talking. You get to go outside and run around and scream and yell and play, let off some energy. You know what? That is exactly what my teachers told me. Is we need something to get these kids out of the classroom so they can go out and be kids because they get fidgety, right? Mm-hmm. Let them blow off all that steam. And you and I grew up where I'm, I'm 54. You might be a little bit older than me. A little bit. And we grew up with having multiple recesses a day to get us out of the classroom, to blow off all the steam so we could come back and sit down and listen and pay attention. And that it generally bi- worked. I fought that bill, and it got watered down, Jack, to, to one 15-minute recess a day. 
And then if the teacher wanted to have a second 15 minute, they had to get permission from the principal because of all the stuff we have to do. That's where we got to address it, Jack, is we got to figure out what, what are we doing that's preventing us from our kids being able to read, write, and do math and preventing us from being number one. Take things out, put what necessary back in. Okay. We'll be running both those bills again. We'll see how, how they go. So it did not pass. And it's well, it, it passed the subcommittee, and then it was just waiting to go to, for a full – it would have passed the full committee and been for a vote, okay. but it was just ridiculous. That conversation we were having of, Jack, these are kids. Right. They Let need them to be, be kids. kids. And what grades were you talking primarily? K through three. K through three, yes. Think they about need that, that time. K yes. through three. So, um, so new bills coming up this year. Uh, we are working on asking the Department of Education. There's a program called EdFlex. It is a program from the federal government, Department of Education, that just what it does, it gives some flexibility uh, to, to states and locals on how they want to administer education. Um, it does have some pluses. It still has all the federal law compliance we have to do, which is what starts to tie our hands um, so we're looking at that as an opportunity. Um, we are going to look to trigger with that BEP bill I talked about to do a complete rewrite of the BEP funding formula. If we do the hold harmless on our schools for funding for that extra year, that gives us a year and a half to rewrite the BEP. Now, when you do this, when you trigger this rewrite, Jack, you, you not only have the General Assembly, the Board of Education, and the Department of Education involved, mm-hmm. you have higher ed involved. You have an administration, you have principals, you have the teachers' unions, you have all the other lobbyists involved. This thing, county commissioners statewide, when you trigger this, everybody has a voice at the table, as everybody should in education. So um, look for that to happen to a complete rewrite of the BEP. There's a bill here, and I'm going to give you a name here and see if you know it, Jack. I'm going to give you a little knowledge test here. All right. There's a young lady here from Murray County, went to Columbia Central High School. Her name is Ginger Moore. I know Ginger. Do you know where Ginger Moore goes to school in college? Um, goes to Alabama. That's right. I read that. Do you know why she goes to Alabama? Ginger why? Moore was a National Merit finalist. She was. Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, and Arkansas. If you are a National Merit finalist or a valedictorian of your high school, they offer you a full ride tuition and fees for four years to come to their colleges. In Tennessee, we don't do that. So we are incentivizing our Ginger Moores, our National Merit finalists, mm-hmm. or our valedictorians, our best and brightest in Tennessee to go elsewhere for their education. That's not... That's ridiculous. Good, yeah. Jack, we want them here. We I want them Ginger. to become our innovators and I our creators. Ginger, intelligent, wonderful lady. And she's going out. Now, when she graduates Alabama, do you think she's going to get recruited to stay in Alabama with all these corporations? Oh, absolutely. You, bet, try. She, you yeah. bet she is. And so we're, I'm going to run a bill that creates a four year scholarship if you are a valedictorian, valedictorian or you are a national merit finalist. All right. Our best and brightest, right? Right. In the state of Tennessee, if you want to attend a college, a public college or university, we will pay as a state four years like a scholarship, tuition and fees. Now, people are saying, well, why would you do that? Well, let me tell you something, Jack. I was a college, I, I was an athlete in high school, and I was blessed to be able to throw it farther, kick it farther, and hit the baseball farther than most people. I was a five-star recruit. 
I got wined and dined by almost any college or university I wanted to in the country. Cool. They didn't care about my academics. But shouldn't we be, shouldn't we be recruiting our best and brightest like five-star athletes and telling them that we want them to stay in Tennessee? They're academically best you bet. and brightest, yes. Why wouldn't we do that? That we could have a generation of our best and brightest that grow up here, go to college here, finish here, and end up running our corporations or becoming the innovators that we need here in Tennessee. Is this something new at these other states, or is this something They've been doing it for decades. For decades. And, and they're stealing our best. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't it makes you? sense to them, for so, them. So yeah, we're, we're so. going to start to take a bite out of these other states. And this is... Um, going to be a bill? A bill this year. I'm, I'm working on the final language right now. Okay. It'll be for valedictorians and national merit finalists. Very cool. And it'll give them four years? Tuition and fees at any public college or university of their choosing. Okay. They, not not they, a university. No, yeah. College or university. Okay. And But they get to pick where they want to go. So now UT Martin and mm-hmm. Knoxville and Chattanooga and MTSU, they start recruiting these kids. Right. Because don't they want them? Absolutely. They want them there. Yeah. And we can use the lottery funds for people gambling. We can use the lottery funds to pay for these scholarships. That's cool. And so now we start to have a generation of kids that, could you imagine what happens at the end of the school year, Jack, when they're fighting to be valedictorian? We all win, don't we? We win. We all win. win. They win. We all win. We all win. It's definitely a win-win situation. I'm surprised that that hasn't um, actually happened by now if this has been going on in other states. So... Definitely. Hopefully, we can stop this and, and take care of this. I hope you're able to because it's this about one. being the best. Yeah, right. It's about and these are the kids that are the best. And but, the fact that Ginger had to leave state to get to get a full scholarship to get a full scholarship because of what she had didn't. And that's something we all her. know. She was a Mule Day queen. Yeah, everybody knows Ginger more around here, and yep. she goes to Alabama. Goes wow. to Alabama. I'm really liking that bill, Scott. So, uh, one of the last bills I'm running here, and this is one that. Uh, uh, We've been thinking long and hard about it. It's going to be a very complex bill, but we're looking to create a statewide tutoring program with our teachers. And so here's the gist of it, how this one's going to work. If you're a teacher in Murray County or for that in any county in Tennessee, and you want to be certified as, as a, as a state, as a state tutor in your subject, algebra, English language arts, uh, calculus, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, we're going to allow you to get certified through the state and be on a statewide database mm-hmm. that parents can access. If your student, like let's say one of your grandchildren needs help in, in math, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, what grade are they in? I've got a kindergarten, a third grader, and a fifth grader. So let's say fifth grade math, mm-hmm. and your student is struggling. You can log on to the Tennessee Department of, or hopefully you're going to be able to log into the Tennessee Department of Education and you'll be able to search a statewide database, not Murray County, right. but a statewide database and look at the um, look at the resumes of these tutors that are on there. And you'll be able to sign your student up to be to be tutored virtually right. from anywhere in the state. Yeah, I think we talked briefly about this. I think this is a fabulous idea, and this is kind of triggered because of the remote learning because of remote environment learning. that we're all learning to adapt so, to. So here's something we can use the remote learning for to gain an advantage. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a great – Paige Chamberlain, right? Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if Paige Chamberlain was a tutor in English Lit? That would have been amazing. But see, if you went to Central, you only had access to Paige, right? right? 
But under this new platform, Paige could have been an English lit tutor, and he could have across been teaching state. him everybody across the state. Wow. And what we're going to do is, you know how we play our, pay our, our football coaches a stipend? We're going to pay our teachers who sign up to be tutors, we're going to pay them a stipend. I don't know if it's going to be three, four, five thousand dollars right. a year, but it's going to be significant amount, significant enough. Right. But we're going to have a cap on it. Will there be a fee for the parent that wants to sign up with no. one of these great teachers? No, because they're a taxpayer anyway. Oh my gosh! That's and so amazing. and so we've got Jack. It's about reading, writing, and math, and being the best in the country. Yeah. And if we can if we can let students have access to the Page Chamberlains of the world, or the AP, the, the greatest. Uh, 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 physics teacher in the state and let these kids sign up and have access to them. Right. Then we're spreading that wealth and knowledge, not only from Murray County, but now we're spreading Paige Chamberlain across the state. And you're compensating him for his skills. For his time. And his time. Yeah. I love that bill. I think that's, it's well overdue. I think it's something that will benefit our entire education system across the state, especially when you look at the fact that there's no cost um, to the student or the parents. That's right. Well, I mean, there is a cost. They live in Tennessee. They pay sales tax just right. like everybody else does. But um, um, I think we've got to we've got to use virtual learning where it benefits us. Yeah. Uh, we need dual enrollment, right? We need to continue to expand dual enrollment for our high schools and incorporate virtual, so that a kid could take an AP calculus class in Hampshire virtually from maybe the best AP calculus teacher in the state of Tennessee who might live in, in Knoxville. Right. And give him credit for that. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, you know, we, we talked about a lot of things you've got in the works and stuff and, and in the house up there and your, in your education committee, some really innovative thinking going in here. I really like what I'm hearing. Tell us some things real quick. And, and this might not be in your notes, but what people might not know that's currently available. Oh man. There's probably a huge list of different things that are available to parents, teachers, students, that maybe something that just you th think right off the, you know, right sure, away. Sure, sure, sure. Well, um, we all know Tennessee Promise. That's one. Oh, that stuff's amazing. Tennessee huge, Promise. Uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, 30 years old, is taking advantage of the adult Tennessee um, That's Tennessee. Re that's Reconnect. <clears throat> yeah, it's amazing. She's going to college and getting a degree. And she's 30 years old, and it really doesn't cost her much other than some books and some time mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, the, the classes mm -hmm. are covered. So one of the things, we've done a couple things. One, we, we've expanded dual enrollment to cover more classes for our juniors and seniors to be able to take more uh, classes that will get them college ready. Um, the and dual enrollment mm -hmm. is where you can go to high school and college at the same time participate in college classes. Yep. And now we're going to expand that from college. We're also going to expand that for career technical training. Okay. So you can be dual enrolled at TCAP Pulaski learning to be a welder or learning to be an electrician. So you're getting dual certified. I attended a graduation at Columbia State that uh, the, uh, the student, it was in the fall, the student graduated Central in May, took one course in the fall, and graduated with his certificate with his associate's. That fall, he spent basically one year at a community college and finished his, and finished his associate's degree. That's very cool. So we've got to give that opportunities, but we've got to really push career technical training. We've got to have that dual path. We're going to work on on a model here. So if you're an electrician, Jack, and you're and you're going and you want to be an electrician, or you okay. want to be a welder, or fill in the blank. I was once a welder. Okay, so 
why is it important that when you go to high school, you take two years of foreign language? Um, if you want not, to be a welder, not very. I would much rather you take welding courses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but on our current requirements, you're locked in where you got to take your foreign language. Gotcha. We're going to work on with the with the board of Edu- state board of education to rewrite a career technical path graduation route that maybe you don't have to take uh, arts or maybe you don't have to take language arts. Or, I mean, uh, foreign language. Right. And you can substitute those in with electives that are going to meet what, what your technical aspect of your education is going to be to give them more flexibility. So that's one thing we're doing. Uh, Tennessee Reconnect you talked about. Yeah, that's great. Governor Lee just put a ton of money into Reconnect. We are offering people that are currently unemployed uh, before would not qualify for Reconnect money. They're now going to be qualified for Reconnect money as long as they continue their job search. They can get a, a two years of college of, at a community college or TCAT center uh, to be able to change their career, get certified, get their certificate or their associates in a different field to maybe get them into something that's more in line with what is needed. Currently in the state of Tennessee, Jack, in the career technical fields, there are 200 and 50,000 open jobs right now. If we could fill those 250,000 open jobs with certified credentialed people, our unemployment rate would go from about 6.5% down to 2. Wow. 2. Yeah, I was just out in uh, Mount Pleasant um, High School, and uh, they had a $10,000 check presented for their welding lab. Yes. And that's huge because now they're going to have that ability right at the high school to learn. That's from a local uh, uh, BM... Um, BMC, 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 BMC medals. Yep. And students in high school. Thank you, BMC. Will be able, yeah. Thank you, BMC. Um, they'll be able to learn that skill of welding in the high school. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Um, I, when I hired in with um, my first career at General Motors, I hired in as a welder and I got trained and, and taught how to do welding, MIG welding, arc welding, stuff like that. And it's a skill that I still know today. It's like riding a bike. You probably never forget it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some things have changed because the welding machines have gotten a lot better. Well, here's, um, here's something to think about that, though, Jack. If you said, you know what, I'm going to move somewhere in the world, and you had and you were a welder, you can move today and go right to work anywhere. the next day. Yes, anywhere. Those yep. skills are, are, are transferable. Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up here. Um, one of the one of the things the uh, one of the things the teachers always talk to me about were in, in our standards that we have too many standards and they're not grade level appropriate. Okay. So we just got news. Uh, we tasked the math standards, the, the new math standards coming out. We tasked that group of people to look at the math standards, pare them down, and make sure that they are grade level appropriate. We do not need to be teaching algebra in second grade principles. We don't need that. Right. We need them to learn the basics first before yeah. we get into algebra. And so we just got the new math standards back. We're looking for a side-by-side comparison of where we were versus where we're going to be. And on the record, they all said that they understood our concerns about too many standards and not being grade-level appropriate. We will be specifically, as a committee, looking for that response. Excellent. And if we don't get it, we're going to send them back to the drawing board. Something I did a few years ago, and I had a good time with it, it was a mentor for the, I believe that's for Tennessee Achieves. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great program. And I believe currently we are low on mentors. Um, are you familiar with that? I'm I sure am, you're yes. familiar with that. 
Have you ever done that? No, I have not. Okay. No. It's, it's an interesting um, task to take on. And I just want to let people know that they need to visit Tennessee Achieves and look into being a mentor for the students that are in need right now that are heading out to college so they can understand the importance of all the steps they have to take to become mm-hmm. uh, college ready. So as you wrap up, let me just finish one, right, one, one last thought here is we know that we can fix a lot of our shortcomings in society by a well-educated student. Yes. Someone that can think for themselves, someone that can reason for themselves, someone that understands how to do, how, how to do math and sciences and, and understands civics, right? Our goal, Jack, 100% is to lead the nation in education in Tennessee. We will get there, okay? And we will make sure our kids can read, write, and do math by third grade. It's just going to take time, so st- stay tuned. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get it done. Thank you, Representative Sapecki. You're on the Big Yellow School Bus, 103.7 WKRM-FM. We'll be back after the break with Shelly Sasson from the Well Outreach Food Pantry. Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show on 103.7 FM WKRM. We are here with the Well Outreach Executive Director, Miss Shelley Sasson. Welcome, Shelley. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having us here today. Man, I'm so glad you came to the show today because we get to tell our listening audience all about the great things that the well is doing in Murray County and more specifically for Murray County Public Schools. Absolutely. So tell me, tell us, tell our listening audience a little bit about the program and how you got it called Galilee. Well, so the well is known, um, our emphasis is providing food ministry programs. And one of the programs we currently provide is another student that serves students at our schools. And so with COVID coming around last March and April, we, just like everyone else, we're kind of at a loss. How do we serve those students? They're not in school anymore. How are we taking care of their... You're talking about the remote learning students. Yes. Yeah. Well, back in March and April, yeah. when a lot of the schools closed Oh, yeah, closed when everybody... We, we, basically, everything shut down. Yeah, so then. initially, we had weekend meal programs um, designed to serve students, but when COVID hit us all... Um, it was difficult to maneuver and to figure out how to react to that and how to get food to students. So once again, when this school year started, we wanted to be prepared. And so the well came up with a concept called Galilee Food Packs. What it is meant to do is to provide a food pack. It has 10 meals and 10 snacks, and it's to serve specifically students who have transitioned to remote learning due to COVID. And right now, as you said, we're so excited. We're partnering with Murray County Schools, um, your 23 schools. And as a school um, closes temporarily due to cleaning or COVID or certain grade levels, um, we are able to come in to meet the needs of that community and that school give those families who might have normally had some food relief by going to the school for a free and reduced lunch, but maybe can't get there every day because the right. school's closed. And so our concept of putting 10 bundled meals and 10 snacks together is just meant to serve those at-risk students. Yeah, and we've had some very uh, successful giveaways. Uh, we've been to Mount Pleasant. We've been to Spring Hill. We've been to Columbia Central. 
Uh, we've been as far as Santa Fe, um, Hampshire, been all over the county, and we let people know by calling them through the school system. The families know that they're they're going to have food available from a certain time, like usually a couple hours, that we do at each location. And um, sometimes we just have fabulous turnout. These people are thrilled to get these 10 meals, 10 snacks in a single box. And if you have three children, you can get three boxes, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And also when we host at a specific school, that's just meant to be as a central area for that that geographic area. It's not meant to serve only that school. Correct. So I know that yeah. we were last week. Yeah. We try to make make that known on like on our social media. We put it on our social media. You put it on your social media. Um, as, as I stated, we did do all calls. The all calls are generally geared towards the school itself, or wherever we're going, making sure that that school knows that they are going to be on location. Um, this is a fantastic program. It's done through a grant, correct? It is. We were really excited. We won a grant through the Tennessee CARES Act. Um, and that grant enabled the well to put together this program to be reactive and responsive to COVID, specifically dealing with students. The neat thing also about it is that as you and I work together on this, every week we're going to a different lo- location. We are. And so yeah. we're announcing usually on a Friday afternoon or a Monday morning where we're going to be that next week. There's usually a two to three hour window where you can drop by one or two of the schools. Um, we also do leave some of the boxes at the school hosts who we right. see that day. And so there's always some boxes of food there to help these students who really, quite frankly, are dealing with enough with some remote learning transitions. I think we were so excited on the first giveaway, I believe it was in Mount Pleasant, that we actually loaded up the back of my pickup truck and took it to some students that the principal said could not make it there to get pick it up. So we actually delivered it. Yes. That wonderful. was so much fun. Um, the, the community was so receptive. The, the students and the families that needed the food were so grateful. It was, it was really cool that we had that ability to do that, that that particular time period. We're so thankful for that. You know, our saying at the well is it takes a community to feed a community. And it's all of us together, Murray County Public Schools and the well and community members who are volunteering their time together all of us serving the needs of our community. Well, well, we've told everybody about the Galilee Food Giveaway, and and that is ongoing throughout the uh, through the end of the year. And I guess while the supplies and the money last on the grant, um, so as long as we can. And I know it's probably geared for till the end of the year, correct? Yes, we're hoping um, the program should last through the end of December. There's the potential of possibly extending some into January, but for sure through the yeah, end of this that's calendar great. year. Let's now shift gears and tell the community about the well outreach. Let's tell them what great things you're doing to help feed the hungry people in our county. Well, thank you. And it's not just Murray County either. No, that's right. Um, The well started in 2006, and we started in a local church. We literally started in a pantry, like a closet. And initially, it was meant to serve the needs of that church. So when there were families in crisis, going through a divorce or a death in the family or a job loss, that the church was providing a meal and food to help those um, families, you know, transition out of that. Eventually, as the needs of the community became more evident, uh, at that time, Spring Hill was about 11,000 people. You know, now we're close to 42,000, yeah. whatever. As the community was growing, we realized as an organization at the well that we didn't want to be associated with one specific church. We wanted people who felt... Um, 
uncomfortable maybe going to one church to be able to come anywhere. So we became a freestanding nonprofit. Um, The well is now located at 5306 Main Street. Um, Our goal is to feed the hungry and help those in need. And we do that through three main programs. The first one is our everyday food pantry. Guests can come shop for food. Um, They get food. They're able to come two times a month, and they're going to leave with about a week's worth of groceries. There's no requirements, no um, certification or anything like that. Anyone in need. During COVID, we are serving anyone regardless of where you live, where in the past we had concentrated on five cities. Um, And we're serving about Well, our last month was our biggest month in history. We served 468 families through the well with a week's worth of groceries. That's a week's worth of groceries, not just a meal. It's a week's worth of groceries. An entire week's worth of groceries for 460 families. Yes, sir. And they they can come two times a month. We don't want to solve their problems. We want to help give them a boost so they're not having to make those difficult decisions between paying their rent and buying food. We want to enable them to concentrate that so they don't go to the next step, which might be, you know, being without a home. The second thing that we do at the well is we do mobile food giveaways. In fact, we just finished our last one of the year this morning. Um, Each of those mobile food giveaways is partnered with Second Harvest Food Bank, where we get our food. Um, We did one this morning at AMC Theaters in Spring Hill and brought in 20,000 pounds of food, uh, food, excuse me, to bring into a community to infuse that food into a community to help those in need. Um, And last year, or this current year, actually, we did 13 of those. So we ended up distributing 260,000 pounds of food through our mobile food giveaways. It's a great opportunity um, for families to serve, for um, youth to serve, for businesses. This morning, we partnered with Ramsey Solutions of Dave Ramsey. And then the third thing that we're most known for as far as like food relief that you've talked about is our Jetpack program. And the Jetpack program is meant to do kind of the opposite of Galilee Pack. Galilee Pack is meant to serve those at-risk students during the week who have transitioned to um, remote learning with food. Galilee, excuse me, Jetpacks are meant to serve students who are going home over the weekend and when they go to their pantry, there's no food in right. their pantry. Each of those jetpack meals includes five meals and a couple of snacks. And so it's meant to help, you know, through a Saturday or right. Sunday. We are currently, you are currently serving um, at least 10 schools right now. We've just announced to the principals that the service may be available to more of our schools. So we are adding more schools to the list that uh, the Well Outreach will be doing with the jetpack program. Absolutely. We currently serve actually 19 schools. Um, nine of them are Murray County schools. Okay. And I know we have two or three that we've already gotten approval to serve. How we do that is we go and identify a need at the school. And then we go advocate for that school and go find a business partner or a church and say, let's all come together. We'll buy the food. We'll help you organize the system. And you, the church or the business, can help us pack the bags and have a relationship with the school. And we've recently had an opportunity where we might be able to pick up all 23 Murray County schools, Um, not meant to, you know, to change any kind of partnership with the school, but 
for the well just to um, once again advocate for the whole school system to deliver a single source consistent um, meal package and to bring us all together as a community. Yeah, and we've made that an option available to the principals. We've not mandated anything. So there's an option available, and hopefully more will come on board. Now, let's um, tell more people about what we can do to help the well. How do we contact you? Where are you located? Do you have a website and a Facebook? Yes, good good questions. Thank you. Um, well, our, our Facebook, we are on Facebook. That's probably the social media uh, platform that most people follow us on. Our website is Spring hillwell.org that's um, springhillwell.org right absolutely okay. you can go onto our website and do online giving that way we really appreciate that the thing is with covid these numbers are huge like we're mm-hmm. getting a lot of food in but it is flying off our shelves equally as fast um, we are up 130% so we're that what that means is we're serving 130 130% more families in 2020 than we were in 2019. Right. So the ways that you can help support the well are, are three ways. One, to help us with the gift of food. Um, feel free. We love food drives. Have your community group or your Girl Scout group or your Boy Scout troop um, or a business. Help us raise, raise food to go to our food pantry. It is flying off the shelves, and we need as much food as we can get. Another option is to help us with the gift, a financial gift. And the reason that that is um, important for the well, um, as we build these schools and build the infrastructure, we need some kind of foundational support so that we can hire the staff to run the programs to support our community. Also, with a gift of a dollar, we can buy so much more food than you can at the grocery store right. because of our partnership with Second Harvest, Second food, Harvest Bank. food Bank. In Nashville, We're yeah. buying food for about 20 cents on the dollar. And so the gift, a financial gift, really goes a long way. Absolutely. And then the third way is through the gift of volunteering. And we love that. Once again, going back to that takes a community. We need volunteers. We encourage you to come in and let's partner all of this together. This is some amazing stuff that the food pantry, the Well Outreach, is doing for our community. Shelly, thank you so much for um, coming on the Big Yellow School Bus and sharing what you're doing with our school district to help our students that have transitioned to remote learning and and, and basically any student in need. Absolutely. So uh, we love that opportunity to be able to make sure that no child is hungry. The Jetpack program is a great idea. Um, you are a godsend to the community that we have three food banks in our community and you guys are just all doing a great job. I I won't say the other names because we got you here today, but the well outreach springhillwell.org. This has been the big yellow school bus. I'm Jack Cobb, your school bus driver. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the big yellow school bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County public schools. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and Sundays at 7 p.m. to hear more about what's going on at Murray County Public Schools. Right here on WKRM 103.7 FM and 1340 AM.